Welcome to our study, Song of Songs, the last half of chapter 8, the last chapter in the Song of Songs, an incredible book. So we just finished looking at the fact that we're not saved to change the Word, we're saved to follow the Word, we're saved to obey the Word. That is so vital to get into our noodle so that we hang in there and do what's right, what God has called us to do. Now we have the chorus showing up. And the chorus is asking this strange question. We have a little sister, she has no breasts, meaning she's not mature, and, and so we need to get her ready. What shall we do for our sister on the day when she is spoken for? What do we need to do to prep? What do we need to do for the younger people? Well, 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Teach people the scriptures. Teach them the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the firm foundation upon which Christ stands. If they don't understand the sacrificial system and the need for the, the sacrifices to get our sins forgiven, how do they come to the cross? So if you really want to help somebody, get them into studying the Word. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 2, water to wine. The water is the Word of God. You know, it's, this is not baptism here. Don't get me wrong, baptism is absolutely essential. Go to Acts chapter 2, 38, 22, 16, 1 Peter 3, 21, right? But understand what John 3, 5 is talking about. And what John 3, 5 is talking about is you've got to have the Word inside of you. Then the Spirit can convict you. Acts 2.37 always comes before Acts 2.38. In Acts 2.37, they were convicted from the speech, of, from the sermon of Peter, because they knew they had the Word of God, and now they can be convicted. If you don't have the Word of God, how can the Spirit convict you? It can't. So if you're going to pray for your uncle to be saved, go teach him. And then maybe God can, can help you work with him. So we have a little sister. She's got no breasts. What shall we do for our sister on the day when she is spoken for? Just remember what the bride was saying. I want you to swear, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not arouse or awaken love until it pleases. Don't be forcing people into Christianity. Don't be just teaching them the, you know, the five simple steps of, of salvation and get them into the water and boom, they're, they're there. You've done your job. Absolutely not. That is not even your job to do. It's, it's God's job to do the convicting. Their job to ask and your job just to, to facilitate what they're requesting. Your job is to plant the seed. Your job is to teach the truth. If she's a wall, the chorus says, we'll build on her a battlement of silver. Back in chapter 2, the wall is sin. It's that separation between us and God. And what they're saying is, we're not only going to have that continue to keep that wall that she's got, we're going to put a battlement of silver on top of it. We're going to totally keep her away from God. Which is what Jesus is saying to the scribes in, in Matthew 23, 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Because you travel uh, around on the sea and land to make it one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. They're... That they don't know what they're doing. If she is a door, we'll barricade her with planks of cedar. Do you understand? Jesus is the one that knocks. You have to open the door to let him come in. If you're going to barricade her with planks of cedar, she's never going to get a chance to be with Christ. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering in, entering to go in. There's, they're so dangerous because they're thinking they know the things in which to do. Here comes the bride to give them some sound advice. I was a wall and my breasts were like towers. I was a wall. I was totally unapproachable. My breasts like towers, I was just totally arrogant. I had nothing to share with it. You couldn't get near me. For all who have sinned without law also perish without law, and those who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So just because you think you're righteous, just because you think you're saved, you better look again. And he's talking to the Jews here. You Jews, as well as the Gentiles, you're both lost without Christ. And you're both unapproachable. You've got to learn to break that wall down. But then I became in his eyes as one who finds peace. And you need to remember, going back to chapter 1, what did she do? She wanted to hear the truth coming from him, not from the Jews, not from the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. She wanted to hear the truth. She was willing to confess her sins because she said, I was black, right? But look inside because my heart's right. And then she started to ask, where can I learn? Where? See, that's when he says, you're beautiful because now her heart was chasing after him. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Teach people the word of God. Let them develop their own understanding. Let them see the character of God as it unfolds in the Old Testament. Let them see how much God is, is so vital in their lives, right? Solomon had a vineyard at Baal Haman, and he entrusted it to the vineyard to caretakers. Each one was to bring a thousand shekels of silver for its fruit. Baal Haman means Lord of Abundance. So God had given these guys, well, Solomon had given these guys, caretakers, uh, uh, an incredible vineyard. Where does this come from? Well, I shouldn't say where does this come from, but in, in, in Matthew 21, 33 to 40, there's a parable of the landowner. Jesus just pulled it right out of here, right? Because the Jews were given, they were the caretakers, and God built it and gave it to them. But they killed the servants that came, and they finally killed the son that came so that they could keep the money to themselves. My very own vineyard is at my disposal. The thousand shekels are for you, Solomon, and two hundred are for those who take care of its fruit. I understand that everything belongs to you, Lord, but... Everything I've got, the thousand is for you. And I'm also going to help continue to keep the, the assembly going here in this world. Each one must do as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. She's got her act together and she understands who she is and how much she does owe God. And she's freely going to give. She's not going to... Be like the Jews that Jesus was talking about in that last verse who kept it all for themselves. No, no, no. She understands. And she's now coming, bringing it all together. And here he is, the groom. Oh, you who sit in the gardens. My companions in the gardens, you who sit in the assemblies, in the churches. Back to chapter 6, verse 2 to 3. That's where Christ fed the lilies in the gardens. That's where he feeds his people 
in the assemblies, my companions, my associates. Who? The Jews, right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But my companions are listening for your voice. Let me hear it. That's, that's what he's asking us to do, to speak up. You're the voice of Christ in the world today for all your friends and your loved ones. Go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what I want you to do, my beloved, my bride. That's what this relationship's all about. You learn from me and you take what you've learned. You, you fill up on the love of God in your life and you pour that love into the lives of other people. And how does she finish it? She says, hurry, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains, plural, of spices. The, the mountains of blessings. God is so full of blessings and he continues to pour them out on us each and every day. And the number one blessing that I so appreciate is understanding what the word is trying to say to me so I can start to make the application in my own personal life. So what is she talking about here? Well, back before Christ came, Galatians 4.4, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So hurry, my beloved, and get into this world. And so this can all start. But then after Christ had died and was resurrected, I think this could apply to Revelation 22.12. Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. He's talking about the end of the Roman persecution. And he did come quickly in, in a 200-year period, but he did come and put a stop to the persecution. But now I think this hurry, my beloved, for us is talking about the judgment day. I don't think she was talking about the judgment day. I think it applies to us. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Therefore, what sort of people are you to be? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. How do you hasten the coming of the day of God? Well, God's going to come when the last person gets baptized. When nobody else is going to take on. And he's going to know when the last person to get baptized. Then it's going to be what? It's time for the judgment day. So the more you get out and start to invite people to Christ, the more that we reach out and keep the church alive, the, the faster he's going to show up. So what's he say to us? Let me hear your voice. And that's the call of the Song of Songs. It's not a, a book written for way back when. It wasn't written by Solomon to, to, to lovers or to people that are going to get married. It is written by God and it's written to us in the 21st century. And it's written to all Christians to capture the attitude of love that God has for us and to bring it home. And when you understand it, to encourage us to do the work that he's called us to do. Thank you for watching.